0: Good evening. This is State of the Arts NYC and this is your host, Savannah Bailey-McLean. Tonight we have joining us kate hopkins and chris boyton who will talk to us about their lighting and design business art and guile so welcome kate and chris how are you
2: very good yeah very good thanks so much for having us
0: thank you so i want to say again to our guests we are so happy to be in our new studio at Brick Media, isn't it a nice studio? It's very nice, yes. I like it, it really feels great. It's great equipment, we were having fun taking some (laughs) pictures, you know, doing that social media thing. (laughs) So now we're going to talk about this uh, husband and wife duo Mm -hmm. who are based right here in Brooklyn. So for the benefit of our guests, uh, Kate and Chris are both natives from Colorado, correct? Yes. That's right, yeah. And I like this part. They met in high school. You don't hear these yeah. kind of <laughs> stories anymore. They met in high school, uh, graduated, and then uh, kind of separated and reconnected back in New York City in 2009. Yep. Isn't that something? Yeah. And then after they reconnected, they started working together. So Kate mm-hmm. is an artist. Mm-hmm. and. um Chris is a filmmaker and he does some three D modeling. So we're going to kick off by talking a little bit about your individual practices and then how the two of you got together. So Kate, tell us a little bit about your artistic practice.
2: Great. Well, it was uh, a little all over the board. Of a uh, background in printmaking and did uh, transitioned into some painting and then also. From there into some installation sculptural uh, pieces that uh, were more technical in their scope, and so uh, uh, this is uh, Chris and I actually started working together on some of these larger scale installations that I had, mm-hmm. um, and and that's where we um, actually really discovered that we had an interest uh, of working together as well. Okay, so uh, we had a nice nice sort of collaborative spirit in in working on these creative projects. So um, that's how we kind of started working together on these creative things.
0: All right. And then with Chris, now your background is more in film, correct?
1: Uh, That's – I got a bachelor's degree in film production. Go ahead. And uh, moved to New York to pursue that, and that lasted a few years, and then I realized that's not what I wanted to do anymore.
0: All right. So – but that's like your your training. It's in uh, yes. filmmaking. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. And then um, the two of you decided to come together in what year?
1: Um, well, we we reconnected in in two thousand eight. Yeah. Uh, or two thousand
2: nine. And our and reconnecting on our on the business end of things probably it was actually several years that we just discovered a mutual love for design mm-hmm. and. Uh, and explored that world and started learning about the world of design in New York together f- mm-hmm. for several years, starting in 2011, 2012, yep. okay. um, and, and just kind of immersing ourselves in that world just as, as kind of a, enjoying yeah. it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. so, you know, also design has changed in New York City uh, for the last, I would say, seven, eight years, mm-hmm. approximately. Yeah. And um, uh, a lot of people may not even remember how, you know, um, that was during the beginning of the mayoral election before de Blasio became um, mayor. Mm-hmm. And uh, his competitor, Christine Quinn, was mm-hmm. the one who was trying to really kick off um, NYC by design. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't forget it because I was invited to the press conference <laughs> that she gave. <laughs> In the middle of Times Square. And uh, I brought in all of these artists, and they were, like, so impressed. I brought all these artists. And she was really talking about it, and it was really a a positive thing because in the past, when you thought of design, you thought of only interior design for those who were in the industry Mm -hmm. only. You never Mm -hmm. saw it as a participatory Mm -hmm. um, experience, and then it kind of exploded. Mm -hmm. Um, with the city's um, New York City Economic Development Corporation the city's tourism board and then all of a sudden May became design month and you have Mm -hmm. wanted design and Mm -hmm. uh, you have um, collective design I've actually been to their fair um twice and interviewed a lot of um of their designers and then you have um the big one at jacob javis center and and then you have uh the one out in sunset park you have so many designs it's like you got to get to about five of them and then that way you get to learn what's going on so tell us your experience because you participated together in wanted design how was Mm -hmm. that experience for the two of you
1: it was amazing.
2: Yeah. yeah. It was great. It's 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 an amazing, uh, it's a very international uh, fair mm-hmm. uh, among the ones in the city. Um, so it's really exciting to see designers from all over the world come together. Mm-hmm. And like you say, it's a, an exciting part of uh, the city now that, that New York has become a center for design as well, mm-hmm. and that we have such, a, you know, a, an international draw now as well to come and participate in New York Designs Week. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Well, Chris, why don't you tell us how did the two of you got into wanted design? Was there some sort of process?
1: Um, well, we we actually launched when we started the company. Um, we did uh, ICFF was actually our first trade show. Okay. Um, and we just jumped into the deep end with that.
0: That's a big one too. It and is was, a big one. And, and that was our, experience <laughs> our
1: first year. Was for you know our, our first year, um, it was a. It was a it was a good show, but it was it was huge, mm-hmm. um, and it was hard to to connect with people. And um, we connected with a, a couple of other designers that we were fans of, um, but it was just it was a big kind of overwhelming experience for us. And so we decided the the following year we wanted to not do ICFF and try something a little small, different, and wanted was at intimate, the top of yeah. our list. Mm-hmm. Um And they have uh, the Launchpad program, which is for new uh up and coming designers and so we applied to that um and we were thrilled that we got in yeah.
0: yeah you know what i have to admit you know of all the design fairs um it's collective and wanted yeah. that i need to get to the yeah. most yeah, yeah. um collective because it's stunningly beautiful Mm -hmm. (laughs) the whole team i mean it is stunningly beautiful and then um for a small fair too because he Mm -hmm. purposely peter he wants it to be intimate he doesn't want it to be like a regular art fair where it's so big you feel like you're overwhelmed and then wanted design because I believe they bring the most um, eclectic uh, group of people together. So you're always surprised by all the people that they curate for their particular fear. So I have to admit, you yeah. you picked a good one.
1: Yeah, well, we, for, uh, you know, before we started the business for several years, we were, you know, ruminating on, on how, what kind of a, a uh, Collaborative, creative uh, endeavor we could undertake uh, to earn a living, and, and we were researching the design world. And so we went to, um, uh, for three or four years, we went to the different shows. ICF oh, okay. And wanted and just just to walk around, right? And, and just to, Sense, to research yeah. the design world in New York, and um, and yeah, collective and wanted were definitely the I think yeah ones we enjoyed the most.
0: Uh, I also like salon art and design too, that's big, over Mm -hmm. at the Park Avenue Armory. And um, what I am starting to like, I know people complain about all of these fairs and feel that they're so impersonal and you don't get to meet nobody. I don't know about them, (laughs) but every time I go to a fair, (laughs) I'm seeing somebody I know. Hi, how you doing over there? Savannah, hey, stop by. (laughs) Or hugs, like I saw Sean Kelly, who has, uh, you know, his art gallery. He tapped me on the shoulder to give me a hug. or, (laughs) Or the funniest, if he heard me now, he would be like, cracking up because our birthdays are like a couple of days apart Fernando Mastriangelo, he's a designer oh sure and we were sitting uh next to each other (laughs) at the Salon Art and Design Fair and he was saying would you like some champagne and I was like sure so he went got a glass and we're sitting there and we're talking he's like Savannah you know I'm supposed to be on your show and I'm like (laughs) who are you (laughs) He says, It's me. Don't you remember me? I had to think about it for a while. I've seen so many faces. I mean, it was so many people. <laughs> yep. I was like, Who is this? Absolutely. And now we're really good friends. I got to call them up. <laughs> Our birthdays are coming up in October. And we'd be laughing and yep. having a great old time but i, I do that. find that you know you do see a lot of you know people Absolutely. and they're doing the same things you're talking about they're checking everything out mm-hmm. and you get to learn
2: learn connect build relationships they're, uh Absolutely. Sight i
1: also want to mention that's another
0: show that, uh, that done. you like yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so you, no i i want to ask has this been good for you participating in these fairs Absolutely. La- la- wan-
1: wanted was a, was amazing and the response that we got was amazing and the other designers that were in the launch pad with us um, were, were amazing
2: and all lovely people and it was, a, it was a great experience. Yeah, just being able to meet people uh, face-to-face, you know, mm-hmm. rather than it being something of introducing yourselves over email, right. you know, is such a wonderful way. And you can invite people that are in New York to come to your booth, and then you get to see and talk to them face-to-face. It's just such a more personal way of reaching out and sharing your work with people uh, that it's it's really valuable for that reason.
0: Okay. So now we get to talk about your new product. Great, Because Because... Yeah. Um, Kate was able to send me um, yeah. images of yeah. your new um, line, and yeah. we've already posted it on our blog site, State of the Arts, yeah. uh, NYC on WordPress, so mm-hmm. folks can go there. And I really like the um, the new line. It's very clean, yeah. and I like that a lot. Um, yeah. People sometimes like to go to such lengths to make it over dramatic, mm. but I always feel that simple is best. Mm-hmm. It says more, mm-hmm. and it's clean, and I like the colors, mm-hmm. and um, tell us, how did you come about with this new line?
1: Yeah, well. Start with the sentinel.
2: Sure. Um, yeah, it was, it was something from since our first year uh, when we launched. Uh, like you say, we, we really wanted to challenge ourselves with pushing our uh, our vision and taking more risks and and embracing everything like you're saying of, of keeping it clean and minimal, but still having a story behind it. And um, the the sentinel pieces really actually started as a sketch. And and from my art, art fine art background, I am always approaching things thinking about composition and form and uh, and texture and material uh, in a in a very elements of design way and Mm -hmm. so it started as a sketch of always being these three minimal simple forms and how they were relating to each other in this in this triptych of forms that ended up having sort of a very uh, um, almost figurative quality uh, to them and uh, just playing with that that composition is really what inspired them and then once we had the the lovely nature of working together is when once one of us has a seed of an idea, then we can bring it to the other, and mm-hmm. then it starts to take on a, a it, the life of its own in a in a different way. And and Chris started bringing in the ideas of the materials and how we can give it this very tactile experience with the materials that we used with it. So. Um,
0: yeah, so how did you come up with the, the shapes and the colors? It, it
1: the, the shapes grew out of that sketch.
0: Yeah. Okay. So was, that's these
1: three kind of m- almost monk-like uh, conical figures. Uh-huh. And, yeah. and, 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 the, and the, we sketched several uh, configurations of how those three uh, you know, s- uh, large, medium, small, uh, kind of these conical figures would relate to each other, and what kind of compositions you could get from placing them in different ways. So there were a number of sketches like that. Um, so that's where the, the the basic form of these these tall mm-hmm. cones, and then the mm-hmm. the globe. Uh, almost it was kind of something almost monk like, like a monk yeah. carrying a globe or something like that. And
2: there's something that interests us in and in particular, I think it's coming out in that piece that we're even trying to explore a bit more of finding these unexpected forms that. At first, might even feel a little, a little strange mm-hmm. in their unexpected quality, but still are something that you want to live with. That still have a, 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 you know, an elegant or beautiful quality to them, but have a little strangeness mm-hmm. to them as well. And that combination is something that is really interests us, and, and we want to even push even farther in the future. Right.
1: And so, that out of out of that sketch, then we started talking about how to execute that. Um, both in terms of just fabricating it, but then what kind of materials and what kind of uh, detailing.
2: And,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: and so mm-hmm. out of that, this this very s- uh, clean brass uh, line that runs up the cone. And the, yes, the I like that. Cone mm-hmm. and, and so it's it's this dark black, at the, and, it, and it comes in, uh, there are other options, but we, we prefer them. The
0: black and brass, and um, and the material, the black. Yeah, what is that, that, that glass? I,
2: no, it's a micro suede. Well, the, 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 oh. the, the material the globe, around it. Yes. Yeah, the, globe,
1: <coughs> the globe is hand blown. Hand glass, blown glass. And then the, the black clone, is a micro suede. Yeah, it's wrapped in a micro suede. Which, which is, is
2: also another element we like that that very tactile quality it has, mm-hmm. and using these these uh, uh, authentic materials of brass, um, and and the suede that gives it a sense of. Uh, weight to it almost. Okay. So it feels a little grounding when you experience it. Uh, and yeah. this way the
1: people were coming up to the booth and they, wanted, they almost wanted touch to
0: touch it.
2: To yeah, it, to yeah. The, uh, you're really yeah. drawn to the materials. So you just want to... Yeah.
0: Okay. Now, this is great because it's sort of like this, you know, you're using uh, a variety of materials mm-hmm. to create this sort of line. Now, when people ask about your... Um, your lights is it uh, or rather I should say are you encouraging people to think of them in a set as opposed to just one piece because you want people to experience something when they are you know in the midst of these you know beautiful you know lamps
2: right Right. that's I think where we have to sort of Let go of our artist brain a little bit. You know, Mm -hmm. it definitely was conceived as a group of three. And that's, you know, sort of conceptually where we really are in love with them.
1: We we wanted to see that.
2: Yeah. uh, That
1: that group of three
2: together. Right. But then there is is something that we have to let go of and understand that this also might work as a single floor lamp. And this might be what, you know, serves you in in
0: your space. Well, Uh, you know what it is today, what I like about design different than before because it was really for you know just very wealthy people Mm -hmm. who had lots of money Mm -hmm. nowadays with 3D printing and I know you Mm -hmm. don't do a lot of 3D printing but still with 3D printing and the fact that people are using so many different mediums to create lights Mm -hmm. or to create furniture it you can really kind of help guide people and um thinking about their space in a different sort of way. And now yeah. that uh, we have different styles of apartments that are being pushed to the public, yeah. whether there's these, you know, open spaces that share a living room and a kitchen dining area, or you have, you know, these other sort of um, uh, spaces with loft types mm-hmm. of beds and to give you more space, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you can really start to think. It's no different than with art. I tell people the same thing. You know, before, people were very afraid to... They still are (laughs) to buy art because they think it's going to be so, so, so expensive. But that's not true. You can start off with photography Mm -hmm. and build a collection from there. So um, I I like what's happening with design. It's Mm -hmm. becoming much more accessible, much more friendly, and it gets to be about your personal style. And you can help guide people to think about their their space so do you get more people asking from a residential perspective or from a corporate because I could see your lamps being in a corporate space as well
1: they, yeah Both. we've, we've yeah. had to think about that we, most, it's mostly residential mm-hmm. um, but one of the, the other new piece that we released um, we had kind of commercial in mind because mm-hmm. that's a market we want to, uh, to and because it's so to.
2: versatile yeah. the, the the anaglyph light um, mm-hmm. the led uh, light. Um, it's it's something that can be uh, customized to any number of space settings, and so that can be so useful for a commercial setting.
0: Well, that's uh, big nowadays anyway, because LED is very cost efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, it lasts a long time, and so there's a lot you could do with LED lights.
2: Yeah, there it's an amazing yeah. resource, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: Is there anything else you would like to share with our audience about Your company, what you hope to do with it.
1: Um, It's, I I would, we're we're just, we're we're still uh, growing and and discovering what our unique voice and aesthetic is. And every year we try to push that and uncover that more and take risks. And we try Mm to learn, uh, you know, a new process or a new material. Um, And this this last collection that we that These two pieces are really moving us in that direction.
2: Um, yeah, so it's ex- it's exciting to yeah. keep looking forward and keep thinking about creating more and more objects in this world that we're starting to visualize and understand better ourselves. Yeah.
0: And I, I do have to, you know, add a little bit of, you know, controversy, but and that mm-hmm. is the fact that New York City is so expensive. Mm-hmm. A lot of creative people are wondering whether they should stay. Oh, yeah. Or whether yep. they should move, yep. um, and um, how do you feel about that? Because it's it's amazing, you know, as a city, but it's mm. it's changing quite a bit, yep. and it's not the same city from mm-hmm. you know how many of us you know remember as kids. Um, there's a lot of positive, and then there's mm-hmm. some negative. Yep. But one of the concerns is that you know the cost of living yep. in this city, mm-hmm. it's driving you know creative professionals out Um, and it's just hard to present it's hard to gain clients I think these new design fairs are helping in that respect Mm -hmm. so that you can build a clientele Um, but it is expensive it has that impacted your practice at all
1: definitely Uh, definitely and it's something that we grapple with and think about um, you know just it, it is expensive, and in some ways, it's incredibly difficult to pull off a trade show, especially when we're you know you're just starting out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we as we we love the city, and we love all the opportunities it gives us, and we love being a part of the design world here. Yeah, um,
2: it's a double-edged sword in many ways because the what keeps us doing here. It's a conversation we've had of you know would this be easier to do outside of the city where it's cheaper to do everything that you want to do. But the community and the resources that uh-huh. you also have here is yeah. un- unbeatable. Yeah. And so right now we're in the camp of it's worth it to be here and we need to make it work and do what we can to make it work. Um, but it's not easy. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing that is happening is that people in the community the community do come together then and support each other. And so these shared shops that are all over Brooklyn. Um, and the, And, the and also
0: stuff. in Queens too. Yeah, yeah exactly.
2: Nice. Yep. So that's that's what's helping to make it possible, but it is something that the city does need to keep in mind because it's it's central to the livelihood of the city and the spirit of the city, but it's it in many ways not easy to, to that's
0: do. That's the reason why I'm doing this show because yeah. um a, as as most folks know, um state of the arts is about the behind the scenes aspect. Yeah. Um Years ago, you had so many people in New York City that were makers. Right. And there's this now disconnect Mm -hmm. with making things, Mm -hmm. not necessarily manufacturing, but production Mm -hmm. and um, the final product. And so many Americans now have no connection Mm -hmm. to what it's like to make anything anymore. Right right now, the Garment District, and I've been a supporter of the Garment District, you know, they're struggling Mm -hmm. to survive. And it's because of costs, that's one. But then also, we have a lot of, you know, leaders who don't know what it's like either to make Anything. So they come up with these ideas (laughs) and they think it sounds great on paper, but then they're not thinking about the practicality of it all. And um, I did want to, you know, shift the conversation to talk about making in New York. You're saying that you share a space Mm -hmm. and there's a community. And I think New Yorkers need to know that and we need to start to. Um, bridge that gap mm-hmm. where people, if they're not making, at least start to connect with makers. So therefore, there's a better connection between, you know, final product and, you know, the concept of it and and what we buy at the end, because otherwise we're going to lose out. I mean, I, I think it's great that you can get, you know, certain products you know, cheaply made because you don't want everything to be so overly priced. Right. But at the same time, isn't it wonderful that you could get something that's well designed, mm-hmm. well thought out, well made, yep. right here in yeah. this country? Mm-hmm. So, how do you guys feel about that? It,
2: I, exactly and what you're saying. Yeah,
1: it's, we've talked about this a lot. There's, um,
0: mm-hmm. go ahead. Uh,
1: just the idea of making and that people don't know what that means um to make something and how much time and effort and energy and you know a upfront expense and all the th- things that go into that um is a thing that I think a lot of people don't understand um I th- but I think one of the what's happening in New York and um like you were saying uh with the founding of uh design week and all of that um that part of the reason these these brands that are that are becoming so big that are based in New York are becoming big is because people um, want that connection. Mm-hmm. These, are s- these are not products that are made overseas and they're not mass manufactured. They're they're assembled and handmade and hand-finished in New York and people want to pay. They're willing to pay for that if they know a little bit of the story behind it. Yes. And they can, mm-hmm. they can go to the showroom or and see like, oh, this is made right here. Um, and they're willing to, to pay for that, and that connection is something that is um, valuable, and, and it's part of why we um, kind of decided to do this, is we want to make things, and we want the story of those things to be accessible to people and to be available.
2: Mm-hmm. And there's a growing value in in uh, building a livelihood from making, you mm-hmm. know, and, and those that might not be the makers are now understanding the value of... Having that in their homes, and um, and it's exciting that that's uh, is a growing part of the economy. That we that's
0: yeah, I think it needs to to grow more because I think um, for a long time Americans thought that we should get away from right. making things. That that it was for poor people. Poor mm-hmm. people made mm-hmm. things. That mm-hmm. wasn't true. You had some wonderful people who were involved in architecture Mm -hmm. and the details Mm -hmm. that we'll never, ever see Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. I mean, never. And we've lost that because Mm -hmm. of this false attitude that doing anything with your hands was not a very honorable thing to do. Which
1: I think is a a story that was voiced upon us by people who don't know how to make things they weren't good at something oh. they weren't good at making things and but they were good at doing other things that uh
2: you know the pyramid gets flipped upside the down pyramid. <laughs> yeah. no uh, but the makers are now <laughs> at the be bottom. bottom yeah we yeah really but should be you know what i'm saying top, you yeah. know your
0: parents didn't want you uh, to make anything they wanted you to wear you know, be a corporate executive right because or a doctor mm-hmm. or a lawyer because those were the professions that were well esteemed and right. so therefore they wanted you to do that and stay mm-hmm. away mm-hmm. from making. Mm-hmm. So that means they didn't understand nor did they value what they were doing or at least didn't think it was valuable when it really, really was and now you know to get something beautifully made like i bought this bowl last year at the guanis art open studios it was beautifully made yeah it is on my table i put fruit in it all the time i love showing off this little bowl that was well made by somebody's hand yeah and um you know, it's like how do we get people to reappreciate, mm-hmm. you know, craftsmanship? Mm-hmm. And you were also led to believe that if you made something, you were not a highly educated person. Right. That was the other mm-hmm. false mm-hmm. assumption, mm-hmm. wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. You want to talk about that just briefly?
2: I I, I can't ahead, speak yeah. to that. <laughs> yes, you can because you
0: do three D modeling, I and care, that's a very complex thing.
1: We're both lucky because both our, our parents. Uh, we're not that way they encourage us to make things and and our parents uh, all are are creative or artists in their own right in their own ways
2: and so that was our experience but I think you're also you're speaking to the the a longer you know trade trajectory over the ages of you know when it was exciting to we could get Things manufactured for us that that seeped into our culture so so deeply Mm -hmm. but then I think going even back to when Etsy came out there was sort of this backlash of this craving things that we make with our hands and so I think this is slowly turning around where people now want to make their own yogurt and want mm-hmm. to make their <laughs> oh if
0: you if the whole food industry has exploded right. but yeah because i just want yeah
2: getting grounded yes. back into the essence of making and where yes. things come from yes. i think is that too right it was where where we are culturally slowly getting back to
0: i think so, it's about balance yeah there's nothing wrong with something being mass produced
2: we're going to need that yes. but
0: yes cuz we are going to need that but there's nothing wrong with also having something beautifully made yeah. and crafted so yeah. I think it's having the balance right but it's just dispelling the myth mm-hmm. that when you make something with your own hands it's done in an amateur way no it's not mm-hmm. I think it's the opposite right. and um, that's why I was saying about your 3D model it's become very complicated now mm-hmm. to reproduce a lot of things and when I think of the 3D printer It's really, um, it's like science fiction that has come home. I think of the replicator from Star Trek where it, you know, Captain Picard would say, you know, Earl Grey tea, and it would just materialize. But that's really what a 3D printer is. It's a concept that you can computerize, put into a machine, and then it reproduces it for you. So it's not just, you know, um, that old-fashioned sort of making things—it's also very high-tech as well, mm-hmm. and I think it's impacted the whole um, design industry. Wouldn't you say, yep, so. Chris? Uh,
1: I, it, it's just another. To me, it's just another tool. Mm-hmm. We use it. We use it to. To to make shapes, to prototype things, to look at forms. It's we're not make we're not manufacturing anything.
0: No, no, no. But it's just the whole concept of using that as, like you said, a tool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: But it's still there's still you still need to 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 model or draw the thing that you're going to print, and that's something that uh, kids today are. It's going to just come second nature to them. The way they're going to learn, they're they're already learning the three D modeling in elementary school. And learning how to three D print things, so. Um,
0: I I, I, I wouldn't say totally, but you know, still I think that old fashioned way of learning how to draw is yeah. important, and having the patience to do it, and not instantly wanting it to you know happen right Mm -hmm. you want the combination of it all the the tool of digitalization but also the old-fashioned way of doing things so that you can make sure aesthetically it's pleasing you know for folks as well well i really enjoyed our conversation today i thought this went very well talking about design how evolved it's become how it's you know impacting so many people, yeah. and we get to enjoy it. So tell us again the name of your business, how people can find you online.
2: Uh, great. It's Art and Guile.
0: And you uh, can spell it out for us. Uh,
2: it's A-R-T, Art and, A-N-D, Guile, G-U-I-L-E, Art and Guile. as our website and on Instagram. We're at, at Art and Guile. And then you'll find our pieces there.
0: All right, then. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was great having Kate and Chris uh, to talk with us about their uh, company and about their practice and just the love that they have for doing this. So thank you so so very, very much. This was really great. Yeah, thank you so much. And so we are about to wrap this all up. And we will be talking with our audience um, again next week. So thank you so very, very much. And our audience can also check our social media pages. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on WordPress. Uh, We use the acronym S-O-T-A-R-T-S-N-Y-C, State of the Arts NYC. Thank you so very, very much. This is your host, Savannah Bailey McLean. Have a great week. Bye-bye.